It's very important to acknowledge that there is very real and genuine stress going on in the world and in people's lives right now. But there's also a huge amount of stress we create for ourselves because of how we think. That's Dr. Libby Weaver. And this is the Depression Detox Show. Welcome back to the Depression Detox Show, where we share ideas and stories to help you live a happier life. I am your host, Malik Josephs. Happy Wednesday. And today we have a new featured speaker, author and nutritional biochemist, Dr. Libby on the show. And today she shares why so many people struggle with overwhelming stress and what we can begin to do about it. Here's Dr. Libby. Enjoy. It's very important to acknowledge that there is very real and genuine stress going on in the world and in people's lives right now. But there's also a huge amount of stress we create for ourselves because of how we think. And that's the part I'm interested in because that's the part we can change. We think that stress comes from everything outside of us, from that person or that situation. But what we've lost sight of is that it's actually our response to that person or that situation that makes something stressful or not. So think about a pile of dirty dishes in the kitchen. Some days you simply walk past the dishes and you think, oh, I just hope an angel will turn up and sort them out for me. But then other days when you see a pile of dirty dishes, you think, my entire life is falling apart. So the dishes are the same, but our response to them from day to day can be vastly different. To understand why we do this, we need the perspective of human evolution. Our world has radically and rapidly changed across the last 75 years, a time I refer to as the commercial era. We've seen the introduction of colour televisions, pesticides, fast food chains, credit cards, the internet, mobile phones and social media, alongside a burgeoning theme of I want it all and I want it now. But let's ponder the past 75 years in the context of the enormous expanse of time humans have been on the planet. Consider a 14-hour flight from Sydney to LA, and let's have this flight time represent the 150,000 years our species has been here. This means that the last 75 years would represent a mere 25 seconds of the trip, shorter than the air steward's arrival announcement. And in this tiny amount of time, so much has changed, including our pattern of stress hormone production. Up until the very recent past, we've made adrenaline in a burst in response to a physical threat to our life. And not enough time has yet passed in our evolution for our body to comprehend that adrenaline production can be driven by other factors now. In modern times, we make adrenaline any time we consume caffeine. Yeah, I know, sorry, not ideal. We make it when we perceive pressure or urgency. Sure, some things are urgent. If you get a phone call from school that your child's been injured, that's urgent. But what most of us do is we make what we get to do each day full of urgency. And we also make adrenaline when we consciously or unconsciously perceive that others disapprove of us. A colleague from work might phone you and ask, where's that work? I needed it yesterday. 
Now, that request for work is not in and of itself stressful, but we will usually make more adrenaline in response to this request. Why? Because we don't hear what someone says, we hear what we think they meant. So what you might hear is, my colleague thinks I'm inefficient or lazy or I've let them down. In other words, you perceive some form of disapproval coming from your colleague, which you've entirely made up, and we do it all the time. Our old pattern of adrenaline production was a spike when our life was in danger, followed by a return to baseline. Now it's a daily escalation, a constant relentless climb from thoughts about endless emails, a conversation we had yesterday, the health of someone we care about, among a million others. And this climbing pattern of adrenaline is very new to us as a species. Our body responds to the information we give it. It has not yet learnt to discern between the adrenaline we make when we're worried about our workload and the adrenaline we make when a car drives out in front of us. So it's time to do what we can to communicate the truth to our body, which is that we are, thankfully, relatively safe. To do this, I encourage you to explore what I call your forward words, which are the traits you need others to see in you. So at some point, take pen and paper and ask yourself, how do I need others to see me? There's no right or wrong, just what is unique to you. Some common ones I've had people share with me over the years are, I need people to see me as kind, thoughtful, selfless, efficient, reliable, hardworking, perfect, creative, strong, the best, intelligent, or the biggest ray of sunshine who ever walked into a room. And then the next time you're stressed, pause and consider, am I perceiving that someone is seeing me in a way that is the opposite to one of my forward words? Because most of the time, the answer will be yes. We might run ourselves ragged or agree to help another to ensure their needs are met. And yes, we do this because we care. But if you peel another layer back, what becomes visible is that we care very much what these people we run ourselves ragged for think of us. We want them to see our forward words well and truly on display. Yet doing things out of duty is depleting, while doing things from a place of genuine care is energising. So the key is, do you have any flexibility in how you can handle others seeing you? Sure, we'd prefer to be liked, but we will never control what another thinks of us. And if you have no flexibility in how you can handle others seeing you, this will be an endless source of stress hormones. I ran some focus groups as part of some research I was doing to look at what stressed women of different ages. In the 18 to 25-year-old group, one thing that consistently came out as a major source of stress was social media. Older groups don't understand this because social media would never feature on their list of things that stress them out, and that's because they use social media to see photos of their family or to watch funny dog videos. Whereas for those for whom social media was a significant source of stress, it is simply one of the modalities through which they allow others to judge them. For the 35 to 50-year-old group, a common source of stress was running late. Yet running late doesn't stress everyone out. That's how you know it's not real. What can make running late stressful is that we worry what the person who will be on the receiving end of our running late will think of us. And when we know that this is what it's really about, it changes the conversations we then have with them. So your stress can be an insightful teacher for you if you allow it to. It will show you where you allow others to judge you. 
Now, what I've just described is one reason why anxious feelings have become so common. How many people do you allow into your inner circle? When I was growing up, I could have counted them on my fingers. These days, because of social media, too many people care about what thousands of people think of them and most of them they've never even met. We want to be highly selective about whose input we listen to. Always remember you know your own heart and your worth is not dependent on how others see you. But we have to address our stress hormones because what is their constant relentless production costing you? How do you cope with stress? Do you drink too much alcohol or too often? Do you eat too much or do you eat too much poor quality food? Maybe you don't eat enough or are you always exhausted and searching for more energy? You might yell and overreact to the people close to you or perhaps you withdraw from those you love and they don't understand your silence. Or maybe you mask other emotions with stress. I think sometimes when we say we're stressed, we might really be sad or grieving or frightened or disappointed or devastated. And there are times and experiences in our lives that are truly horrendous and that might hurt us deeply. Yet even when it's truly painful, there is still so much beauty in that moment. So may we be able to remind ourselves that what hurts can be a luminous offering to learn and grow. And may we be able to untangle that pain from the magnificence of our being that is always present. Pain and beauty coexist. It's just that we usually focus on one or the other we, or we perceive more drawbacks than benefits to the pain. And we can switch these if we choose to. But to unravel this, we need to train ourselves to question our own thoughts. And the dialogue started out for me sounding something like, do you believe your own thoughts? Oh, what do you mean that voice in my head is not who I am? Don't I think my thoughts? Well, if that voice in your head is you, then who's listening to it? So your thoughts are not who you are and not all of your thoughts are true. So start to notice, does your thinking oppose things as they are? Do you react with thoughts of how things should be? Do your thoughts focus on what you perceive is missing rather than on what is? Start to become aware of all the thoughts you use to deny yourself contentment and foster tenderness for yourself in that process because it's been going on for a while. From childhood onwards, humans endlessly pursue love, approval, appreciation, acceptance, and we do it to try to stay safe, to ensure we are fed and we have a home. We test out all sorts of ways to please others or even just experience fleeting moments of their admiration. But we don't really notice our efforts. We just think that's life or how we are. We don't realise as adults that this drive for approval we have linked to our survival is now superfluous to our needs and we need to unlearn it. The quest for love and approval is at the heart of so many of our thoughts. The trouble is seeking love and approval leads us to lose the awareness of both. You can lose the awareness of love, but not love itself because it's what we are. Yet we persistently seek it because of how we think. We think thoughts and we believe them, but they aren't true. I ate too much ice cream. I'm hopeless. I'm pathetic. I have no willpower. If you think such a thought, do you pause to consider if it's true? 
No, you just keep going. You might not even realise you've had the thought. The first part of the sentence might be true. You might have eaten too much ice cream. But the second part of the sentence, the judgement that you're hopeless, you've made that up. And if you create a story about yourself that this is who you must be to have eaten too much ice cream, you will have judged yourself in similar ways endless times across the day in response to all sorts of situations. And if you never question whether such thoughts are true, thinking this about yourself over and over and over again is what will lead you to go back and smash the ice cream again the next night because you don't believe you're worth taking care of, which is not true. But it's challenging to change our behaviour until we learn how we think and teach ourselves to question our thoughts. Do your absolute best to deal with what is rather than imaginings. We are so fortunate to have the work of Dr Viktor Frankl in the world. He was a psychiatrist, author, and Holocaust survivor. Dr. Frankel, his wife, and extended family were all sent to concentration camps where he witnessed them be tortured and murdered. And yet, despite experiencing such unspeakable atrocities, he still had the most insightful presence of mind to offer us this, and he wrote... Between stimulus and response, there is a space. And in that space is our power to choose our response. And in our response lies our growth and freedom. We get to choose how we respond to everything. And I mean everything. Even the genuinely tough stuff. Big Thanks to Dr. Libby for stopping by. Her website is drlibby.com. That is also her Instagram. And her most recent book is entitled The Invisible Load, A Guide to Overcoming Stress and Overwhelm. And if you enjoyed this clip, there'll be a link to the entire talk in the show description, along with all the links to connect with Dr. Libby. And lastly, when you get a chance, please follow the show share it or leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify Podcasts. I greatly appreciate you for that. And that is a wrap for me. I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day and I will see you back here Friday. So until then, stay strong. Later. Later.